Hi, everyone. This is Inside the Tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun, and experiences while living in different culture. Today, my guest is Jenya. Hi, Jenya. Hi, Masha. I'm looking forward to talk to you today. Thank you for being today with us. Thank you. Told me that you moved from Ukraine to Switzerland. Yeah, could you tell me more about this experience? How was it for you? What were the biggest differences in the beginning? How was the process to find yourself a new country, friends, establish new community? Your experience. Mm-hmm. I moved to Switzerland almost 15 years ago. It was part of the part of the ISIC. A member of the ISIC organization, it's an international student organization in Ukraine that does exchange programs, and that's how I came to Switzerland. Um, and I came on a one-year internship or traineeship with a big company, a pharma company here. The first year basically was I knew it was a temporary, so I had to wait to the moment I would be going back. And that's my first year, although it was my real first year in Switzerland. It was more like you know students get together, enjoy the life, and so on. But after my traineeship, I got a permanent job, and that's where it became. Real, it hit me. Okay, I'm staying at least for a couple of years. You know, I just got a permanent job, and I want to, um, I want to try myself. I want to prove myself, and that's why, yeah, it, it became a real story. I had to find the proper apartment before I was renting um, rooms with, you know, with other people. Um, so I had to find an apartment. I had to get myself, I don't know, a phone, phone on a contract, and then and so on. And that was that was an interesting experience. So everything um, just had to be switched from temporary to constant. Yeah, yeah. Because as I said, the first year was just a lot of fun, and I was I was trying to to enjoy it the most I could. Traveled a lot, you know. As a student, I came on this traineeship program, and there were other trainees. So we had we often, and they were my first friends here in Switzerland. So they were foreigners who came on an exchange program, like me, to work here for. For, for international companies mainly. So we got together for some parties or some travels inside the country and so on. But then some of them left, some stayed. And for me, it, it became clear, I'm staying. I got a contract and I, you know, now I have to start building my life here for as long as it takes. And it was interesting. And that's the first year was kind of looking into Switzerland as my new home. And I liked it. It was, it was great. It, I mean, even now, Almost 15 years after, I'm still learning about this country and I'm adapting myself. And the, my Ukrainian soul wants to do one thing. And then I'm like putting myself down and saying, no, nope, that's, you know, you have to, you live in Switzerland and things, you know, have to be done here differently. So if you ask me about challenges that there were, so I would say this cultural challenge was the most vivid, I would say, because I sometimes make a comparison that Ukrainians are like Italians in Europe. So we are very, you know, we are very different you know in a way so we are warm we are welcoming we we, we talk loud we talk a lot sometimes you know we you know you, you come to my house and you're my friend and so on so that's that's different here you know in Switzerland I cannot just bring the bell of a, of a person I know and say hey I was passing by do you want to have uh, do you want to go for a walk or something so this thing today is clear to me right but at the time it was like why does it have to be this way you know I'm in town Why can't I just go and ring the bell of my friend and say, you know, let's go for a coffee or let's go just see each other. So this cultural thing is very, it's beautiful. It's interesting. It's something that, you you know, you can learn your entire life. Yeah. But it's also challenging. Yeah, because as I said, you know, sometimes I had to really tell myself, no, you don't do it this way. Just come here, sit down and learn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel it's like 
I compared how my daughter um, behaved herself on the playground. You know, some kids are just running right away and playing and whatever. And she mm-hmm. just observes. She can stand and observe and looking what are the connections, what are the actions, how people behave, reach out to each other. So she's like a scanning mm-hmm. and then it puts in a puzzle. Then she's like, oh, okay, now I know how to whom to go, <laughs> you know, like she's more first taking time to observe. I think it's a good skill also for people coming to another city That's or another the- country. It's very interesting you said this because this I noticed about Swiss people. They are like that. At first, I thought it was because they are cold. You know, they're just cold people. You know, they want to be distant, but they're not. Swiss people are lovely. They are very warm. They're very caring. It's just that they, it takes them time. And they, they, want, they, they give themselves this time to observe, to get to know you, to see, you know, what's going on here. And then they may you know, jump into relationship with you, be friendly or, or neighbor or relationship. Or, uh, but that's, yeah, that's how they are. They observe first. And it took me time to to realize that because at first it was easy for me to fall into this trap and say, oh, this place, you know, they're very cold people. They're different than us. We are, it comes also with, with years of living here or with, with age that I learned that it's not like that. It's not just like black and white. It's different. It's a different culture and their culture is like that. They are observant. They're diplomatic. They, and then they're beautiful in this. Yeah. Do you have also Swiss friends? Yes, I do. I have international friends and I have Swiss friends. I just wonder, you said that it takes time to get into relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, was it more you approaching them or it, how the dynamic was? Hmm. I don't think it was me. I think it was, you know, we would do something together. And then that's how in with every relationship, you know, you... You do something or you, or you maybe you work with somebody you get to know a person better and then for example I have this one friend and we haven't been in contact for a while but <clears throat> I know whenever we meet you know it's always the nicest you know but we work together so we were colleagues I remember when I told him of lunch I'm thinking about opening a Ferrain to this association um, because I want to help the Ukrainian underprivileged children and organize some activities for them and I said you know I I just don't know where to start because I don't speak the language. It was back in 2010, was it? 2008 we started. And he said, look, why don't I help you? I mean, I speak the language. I have some time. And it's a good initiative you are doing. You know, he offered his free time. Yeah. And we started working on it. And it was through this friend, through, you know, because he, he was about my age. Or he was. He's about my age, maybe a couple of years older. Um, and he felt that this is something he also wants to give to the community to help underprivileged children. And he helped. And that's how, you know, when we, we went hand in hand and he helped and, you know, the friendship was built. Yeah. And another pr- friend I have, she was my, also my colleague at work. She's also about my age. So maybe age does help mm-hmm. because we had some similar interests and so on. We went for lunches, for coffees together when we were still working. And then she left the company, but she was such a nice person and I kept in contact with her. Then she came back and we were in contact. And now she's not living in Basel anymore. She and her husband, they moved out to a different canton. But she's one of my, you know, nicest colleagues, uh, nicest friends. And she was working on my documents when I, when I got offered a permanent job. She, together with my hiring manager, worked on my documents. And as I'm coming from a third world country, you know, Ukraine is non, non, not in Europe, not in, yeah, basically. It's not Switzerland, it's not Europe. So to get a permanent contract, was something very big for me. Yeah. The authorities almost said no. 
they said, why do you need somebody from Ukraine for this job? Why can you, why can you not find somebody in Switzerland or in Europe? Yeah, and she and my manager, they, they worked on a dossier together. They basically proved that they had so many candidates and none of them was as fitting as I was. I got my permission, the Bibbewilligung, yeah. to stay here and work. Um, and I found it out much, much later. I just already when she left the company and we worked in it, she was like, yeah, it was an interesting time. You, me and your boss, you know, working and putting together the things. Yeah. I'm glad it worked out. I think sometimes it um, can be very demotivating hearing that you really need to prove that you're fitting, mm -hmm. right? I also felt that when I just um, came. Uh, it's not only ego which suffers, but you just hit with the fact that just because you're from that country or from that region, mm -hmm. it, may, it takes so much more efforts extra to whatever mm -hmm. your skills are, to whatever your experiences, then you can be good for the position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. And you know what? It, it's a very interesting, what you say, it's ego and it does hurt. And you think, why? Why don't they see it? You know, I'm a smart, educated woman. I, they should be happy to have me here. But then I was trying to put myself in their shoes. They don't know the whole story. They don't know why I'm here. Actually, I remember there was a time when somebody asked me, so when are you coming back? When are you going back? And I'm like, first of all, it's not your place to ask me that. <laughs> and second of all, you know, I don't know. I'm here today and where I want to be. I have a good life. I have a good job and I'm, I'm, I'm fine. So I don't need to report to you and say, yeah, I'm going back then and then. Yeah. But I must say now that I speak the language, although I don't speak Swiss German, I speak German. It kind of opened doors to me a bit more. I always was friendly. I always was super nice. And sometimes, and most of the time, people were very nice to me in return. But not speaking the language felt like I don't understand everything what's going on. Yeah. And, and I tried to learn it. But, you know, when you're working for a big company where German is not the language that you use daily, it's really hard. It's just you don't progress. But then, you know, when my kids were born and I decided to, to take the time and learn it. And then after my maternity leave, I decided to... I decided to go back to work and I found a job where I had to use German more than ever before. That's where I was a bit yeah, pushed forward yeah. it and I and I improved it. But now I'm okay. Now I, you know, I don't I don't get nervous anymore when I need to speak German. Yeah. And and I feel that that opened more doors to me. Like I'll give you an example. I remember I used to be upset with myself when if somebody in a tram would talk to me and I would be just like I have no idea what they're saying. It's like, what do you mean? And always to say, do you speak German? Or do you speak English? It just, I felt after some time, you know, it's time to learn it. I mean, I'm here and it's, I'm obviously staying, you know, my husband is from Basel. My kids are going to the local kindergarten and now they're at school. It's time to learn the language. And now I could, you know, sit in a tram and then have a little chit chat with a little, little lady. It's nice. It's just adding up to this, to the beauty of life. It's, um, it's broad communication. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. The question was also in my head is, uh, was there any reason why you chose Switzerland when you went for um, internship? I had a personal story. So I had a, my ex-boyfriend was from, from this country. But I also must say, I visited Switzerland as a tourist the year before I came here. Oh, okay. And I just couldn't believe a country like this even existed. <laughs> I just, I fell in love with it. And I remember the time I was walking, uh, I was walking in Basel, you know, from the Münsterplatz down to the Schifflende and this nice promenade and you see the river Rhine and you see this old buildings. I just thought, this is beautiful. This is really nice. And I, I want to be here. 
So I fell in love with Switzerland and then I fell in love with Basel. And although I, I never thought that fell in love from the first sight existed, this was it. I, I loved it. I visited other places in Switzerland too, like Geneva and Bern and Zurich and this trip uh, in, in the mountains, of course. And I thought this is beautiful and it's so small. And if I lived here, I could travel on the weekend and see things, you know, and I would need to spend the night on a train, which yeah. you would have to in Ukraine because it's a huge country. I used to, as a student, I used to travel in Ukraine quite a lot, um, uh, to some conferences in different cities. And I loved it. It's nice. But to go from the eastern part of Ukraine, where I'm from, to the western part of Ukraine, takes you 26 hours. And 26 hours on a train, you know, it's like your life is happening there. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. It was, at, at the time, it was nice. And it, it was always lots of fun. But it's a big country. And I think I like when it's small and cute and, and so organized, like this beautiful country. Yeah. So I, I loved it. I, in a way, miss traveling inside the country because I think like really two, three years before I moved to Switzerland, I started to travel in Russia. Mm -hmm. You know, like I went to, to Baikal, to, to the lake, to the mountains. So I had a plan to go to also Kamchatka mm -hmm. and to uh, go to Mongolia for uh, horse riding. So it's still on my list somewhere when the kid's a bit bigger. Um, but yeah, that's on hold. And uh, I think, I don't know how much Ukrainians travel inside the country. I mentioned already once on my podcast that in Russia, some people who live in Moscow and St. Petersburg, they travel more in Europe than mm -hmm. inside the country. I think now with Corona, it's changed because there are more restrictions and they travel more inside the country. But there it's even more than in Ukraine. You don't you need like <laughs> you can go to Trans-Siberian and go stay for a week and train and just. That's but if true. I would do ever Trans-Siberian, I would really like make a lot of stops to see something mm -hmm. in between, not just from the window of the train. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was curious and returning to the social projects that you started. I think for many people who live already in the country, like their own country, they mm -hmm. see how to do it and they have this drive and a risk also, you know, to start it and say, I organize something to help others. Mm -hmm. How was it for you? This it's a risk. It's say, yes, I can do that. I, I have this drive to start and bring something to other people. Mm -hmm. It was a risk and it's still a risk today. And we always keep it in mind with the team when we do it. But what we agreed back then when we, we started our first project, that we, we have to offer something that we can easily offer. And we said, look, why don't we do something as, on a project base? We do a project once a year where we take our holidays and we go and meet um, the children who live in orphanages. Because time is something... Uh, something very precious that we have, but it's also something precious that we'd like to share. Just giving donations, you know, sending money, clothes, anything else was for us at least at that point felt it's not enough. Because when I came up with this idea, my, my boyfriend and he's my husband now, he supported it. And I think it was even his idea that he said, why don't you do it like a, like a camp? So you do a short camp, you invite, like it will be like a camp conference. So you, you spend time with children, you show them that you care, you give them the boost in their confidence, you, you will contribute. And then I talked to my friends also, we actually met through this ISEC international organization and I asked them if they wanted to be part of it. Most of them lived already abroad as well, like me. So it was a challenge, but we started this whole digital Zoom <laughs> life way before it became trendy because our 
first camp in 2009 was organized online. The actual camp was then in Ukraine. We, the team from the Children UA, traveled to Ukraine, took the children from two orphanages. We took 20 children together, took them to this facilities of a camp and ran a program for them. Four times we did it in Ukraine. And then when the war in Ukraine started, we decided that we, we, we could try to bring Ukrainian children to Switzerland. So we moved it. And the past four camps were in, in, in Switzerland now. Coming back to, to your question, it is risky and it was it has always been. And now that kids have to travel and it's a long travel from them, from Ukraine to Switzerland, and we never have them fly because it's quite expensive and we don't have this, you know, free resources in our budget. So we have them travel by a, by a bus. It's adding up additional two days of a travel. But at the same time, it's maybe adding up also to their life experience. They, you know, they stop by somewhere on a way in Poland or in, in Budapest. But at the same time, you know, it's great. This project has been great. And it, it's really unfortunate that with, with, with the COVID situation, we can't do it. It's yeah. on hold for time being, yeah. We, we see how the situation develops this year. So maybe we could still do it in summer. Maybe we go to Ukraine. But I, I think the borders of Switzerland won't be yet open yeah. for them to come here again. I mean, not at, at least not this year. So it is on hold. We don't know yet how it will resolve. But it's a great project. And I must say in the past eight camps, I, I don't want to call years because there were years where we didn't do a camp, but we've done eight camps and it was more than 100 children that were in our camps. You know, just seeing them progress in life and, and achieving their goals and doing something that they wouldn't have done otherwise. This, this is a great pleasure. And, and yeah, yeah, I'd like to continue that. Do you have more people involved now into that? Because it's a project based, it's not more people. It's always like a changing team. So mm. we have, you know, we have a core team, but then the people who say, look, why don't you involve me this year? I could help you here and there. So it's not more, it's just, you know, there is a dynamic and okay. in, in the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if we go to Ukraine, we probably need some people locally there who could help us with all the logistics and, you know, administrative stuff. I talked also to some other uh, people who makes other projects and uh, volunteering. So I think when you move to another country, there is a moment when you have kind of enough resources and energy for yourself, then you're ready to give to others. I did also some volunteering in my country, but then you don't need to keep up and, you know, build up your life first to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think um, also... If you come to another country and you get this resource from other people, then you kind of see the benefit and you see that, yes, I, I also want to do that for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and I must say Switzerland was helpful in a, in a, on an administrative level because we are on hold today, but that's okay. You know, I don't need to do any additional administrative things. This Ferrain structure is very helpful and... You know, and I was glad that a friend of mine helped and to set it up and have it run. We are official terrain. We have to prepare um, documents for tax authorities uh, every year. But have I done this project in Ukraine? That would be much more administrative work. Okay. And maybe I would have already given up and say, you know what? I don't have time. I have also kids and I have small children and my husband and things. And that. Here, you it's very that. structured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. structured and it, they don't make you... They don't make you do things that are not necessary. They're just extra work and what for? I mean, we are non, you know, non-profit organization. We get the money when we do a camp. People help us um, they, because they know we've, we've done these camps in the, in, in the past and we will do it and 
and we always report and say look this is the camp these are the videos this is the proof yeah. we were in we were with these kids yeah yeah it feels also with other administrative things here like i don't know receiving new passport or doing any organizational thing it's very clear what is needed like steps mm-hmm. they are really uh, short descript there is a links you know like one two three and you go yeah because um, for example if i now starting to um i need to update my daughter's passport for russia that she's also russian mm-hmm. and you need to do it once in five years it's sometimes such a pain so many steps and sometimes it's written like why can't you just use the easy i don't know not words but expressions that it's not 15 20 words just one sentence to understand where you go and what you need you you start to appreciate such um things which is your life that's true yeah because in the end we have you know we have the resources we have and it's a matter of whether you spend these resources so i'd rather do something better for the kids than you know spend the time on all these administrative things and bureaucratic filling out documents so that's why you're right It, it is nice it is beneficial for us that we are here in switzerland and we just follow the rules here and it works yeah if i ask you to describe Ukraine in really in several words what would be that for you <laughs> that's a good question yeah. like you like your smile right away about <laughs> I like this creative task so it's see wonderful food welcome uh, warm hospitality friendliness yeah is there something you would do differently when you came to Switzerland to make your life easier. Hmm. If if I would be now knowing what I know today. Yes, and, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I would do, maybe start learning the language sooner and not telling myself, ah, you're okay with that. You know, you, you could get by with English. I would maybe put more efforts into this. Another thing is I would probably worry less about people accepting me. Just worry less because in the end, they did accept me here. You know, I am here and... You know, somebody like it or not, but I'm living here and it's my choice. So to kind of leave that worry, leave out this, this worry, maybe actually travel more in Switzerland because I feel that people of Switzerland are doing the same. So they travel somewhere outside of Switzerland. Um, and so did we. So for many years, for us, a summer holiday meant going to the sea somewhere, be it in Ukraine or be it in, I don't know, Greece or, yeah. or Spain or Italy. But we didn't really spend time exploring this country and now with COVID we had to we couldn't travel much uh, so we traveled inside the country and it's beautiful so I I started to fall in love with it even even more try to learn about the country uh, and see it and travel in this country sooner not 15 years after you reminded me one short story Um, we were in Greece some years ago with my husband and my daughter there was a couple in cafe and I heard them speaking Spanish and for me honestly it the first question is like why are you here you know like in Spain you have sea you have food you have the same wine like why Greece you know for I know they were like yeah we want to change the scenery but if I would live in Spain and I would not go maybe for the sea, like I would go somewhere mountains or something different. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was a bit strange that the people mm-hmm. go from sea to sea. Yeah. Yeah. 
But here it, it is different. You see, we don't have C here and that's yeah. something I am missing because I'm used to go as well as you probably, right? I'm, I'm used to go to the sea in summer because in Ukraine we have Black Sea and we have Azov Sea and as a child, that, that was my beautiful memories I have going with my family to the sea um, and spending time there. And, you know, that's where I learned to swim. And But here we have mountains and it's also beautiful. Mountains and lakes and yes, you, they're I too love, cold to yeah. swim in. I think I am more the lake person. Like I love, I, I don't like much salt water somehow. Mm. So I, I love sea and, you know, being on the beach. But I also was a, as a child a lot on the lakes in uh, mm -hmm. St. Petersburg and Finland uh, nearby. So mm -hmm. for me, the standing water like lakes plus here it's mountains. So I'm kind of fond and now with the kids it's a bit easier like you know no waves and you don't need to mm -hmm. catch them at every moment and they're small <laughs> that something happens yeah mm -hmm. so I'm happy that we have a, a choice nowadays mm -hmm. a bit less mm -hmm. but I hope we come back to that but you feel well here in Switzerland with all these lakes here yeah like Austria is also nearby they're also quite a great mm -hmm. offers for families there thank you for sharing Thank you for inviting me. It was, it was my pleasure to be here with you today. Could you tell in Ukrainian mm. inside the tribe? Seredini Plemeni. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you guys for being today with us and we hear us in a week. That was Inside the Tribe. Bye.